all need to gather together around the Word of God, especially with all the turmoil that is going on in the world. You know, I was reflecting this week uh, about us, how we grew up. You know, and I was thinking that how we grew up as young kids, I was in grade school, we were both in grade school in the 60s, and which were really, as I began to look back at the 60s, crazy, turbulent years. Uh, you know, I do remember my third grade teacher, she had this calm demeanor, an older woman, and I remember she, we would begin, and this was in 1962, the day with prayer. She'd sit at her desk, we'd all be sitting in our seats, and she'd begin the day with prayer, and the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you know the, much of the psalm. He leads me beside still and restful waters and green pastures. And, and it helps set the mood in the classroom. That's all I could say. Sometimes I know as a kid, from the way I grew up, I grew up in a home where there was alcoholism. And I think sometimes just sitting there hearing that, it was like, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it set the mood in the classroom. And really, anytime you take scripture and you read scripture in faith, it does bring the presence of the Holy Spirit. So there was something going on in the classroom that was more than just reading words off of a page. But, you know, everything, when I think about 1962, was like everything was about to change. Because everything in the culture was just getting questioned. Politically, it was getting questioned. Institutions, you know, universities, how we taught was getting questioned. Socially, things were getting questions. Thank you, Pastor Ben. Religiously, certainly, religious thought was getting questions. Morality was getting questions. What's moral anymore? It was like the, the whole counter-revolution was about to break loose. And I, we were talking, it was like 1962, the Supreme Court passed the law that public prayer in school would be banned. And so there went the 23rd Psalm, you know, out of the classroom. And I thought there was JFK's assassination and the following year, yeah. The, Kennedy, Martin, Martin Luther King, the civil rights movement, and then tragically assassinated, the Vietnam War, all the protests on campuses, uh, the feminist movement, the sexual revolution, there was Woodstock, there were the Beatles landed on our shore here in America, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's Jimi Hendrix, you know, I mean, Malcolm X, that was the, you know, we talk about, we're talking about the racial injustices that yeah. were people rising up against that back then, and then tragically, like his assassination, the Black Panther movement. I mean, just reflecting back, it was like the 60s were a turbulent, yeah, crazy time. And the whole culture, you know, I think was like searching for this new and better America, right? If there, but if there really was one thing that was needed to be dealt with during that time, just like today was, the racial injustice yep. and the prejudice and the discrimination because of color and, or right. ethnicity, that needed to be dealt with and brought out. But just like now, like everybody had an opinion on how that might happen. Change would happen through the political system, you know, or throw out prayer so that young minds could think, I don't know, could think better. <laughs> Cast off, you know, this whole sexual uh, moral restraints, expand your mind. You know, I think about the the Broadway musical Hair. That was pretty. That came out. I think that was the late '60s. How many of you know that? I had the album. 
you know, and people buy into it, like expand your mind with drugs. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, right? <laughs> you know, Come on, see that's, you. that's what's going to be, <laughs> like, that's what will bring us the freedom that we're looking for. You know, I, and I look, I think about the words in that song, when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars, then peace will rule the planets and love will steer the stars. <laughs> and then That's it goes right. on, harmony and understanding, you know, and I think, yes, did it happen? Well, no, but, you know. <laughs> did we want it to happen? It, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I wish, I look back on that time and I think, I wish I had a plumb line of truth in my heart, in my life, you know, that would steady me against everything that was just shaking in the culture around me. Which way was I supposed to look? Because I think like that Broadway hair, where that Age of Aquarius song came from, you know, was on Broadway the same time Fiddler on the Roof was on Broadway. Tradition! Tra tradition, you know, tradition. Like, which way should we go, you know, tradition or just expand and, and break free from everything? But like a plumb line of truth, and really God talks frequently, uses that analogy in scripture of his word being like a plumb line. You know what a plumb line is? It's a piece of string with, you know, just weighted string. And it gives you a true vertical, you know, and, and with God, you know, it's righteousness, it's justice. And you, when you build in the natural against a plumb line, you know, you're building straight up. So when pressure comes and things shake, that thing is going to stay steady. Amen. If you don't have a plumb line and you're building, if you put a lot of pressure on it, what happens? It's going to start to tumble down, right? And so I grew up, you know, I think I grew up going to church. I had a genuine love for God, but I did not have a plumb line in my heart with Scripture. It was, I, you know, I was Catholic, and so I, I did love God. I was Lutheran. I did love God. Yeah. But there was no deep plumb line in my heart about how to stand on this word and take it for truth. It just seemed like, well, is truth out here politically? Is truth in the feminism? Is truth found, you know, in the drug scene? Where do I find truth? Is, is feminism my answer? Is joining a commune my answer? You know, we, we sort of dabbled in the hippie culture there. We were definitely say. hippies. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think, you know, Time Magazine cover, I, th I, I looked it up, it was in 1966. Big yeah. bread, black, round black letters. Is God dead? You know, and it became cool to kind of think that way. Maybe God is dead. Counterculture. And, you know, I realized that the Jesus movement was going on right at the same time, but somehow I missed it. I wish we would have caught, in, caught into it, but <laughs> we missed it. <laughs> you know, but, you know, this is the thing with God. He doesn't disappear off the scene. Even with all the confusion going on in the world now, there's still a vertical. Come on. There's still a plumb line Hallelujah. that we can hold on to. If yes. You, but you do, it's just like I missed him in the 60s. You do have to still search for him now. Correct. You have to search for him and seek him. Yeah, like a hidden treasure. I Come heard on. you guys in prayer. That was great. Yeah, on Thursday night. Check out the online prayer on Thursday night. It's, it's pretty powerful. <laughs> Boom, get yeah. A plug in there. But the culture's thinking had a big pull on my heart and my mind, just like it does still today on all of our hearts and our minds. And by the time I met Steve... Oh, boy. You know, <laughs> Mr. Mr. You know, Adventure, here you know, he is. I went to a really, I mean, Ann Arbor, Michigan, very right. progressive 
town, Liberal. the $5 yeah. marijuana law. I yeah. was like, I yeah. don't even know if God is real, oh. if God's alive. And he looked at me. I, here, you know, because I had my own adventure, and I went back to Eastern Michigan to, and. But he looked. You, I looked at her and said, "Yes, you do." You, I said, "I don't even know if I believe in God anymore." And I thought I, that sounded really cool. Here, I look you like know? John the Baptist. <laughs> hair down to here, hair down to here, beard down to here. I said, "Yes, you do." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great answer because it just sort of stopped me, and I thought, "Yeah, do I?" You know, but you know, here's the thing. I thank God for that answer. Amen. I thank God for people that will do this in your life to pull you back into the things of God. But we didn't understand no, we how didn't. to live our lives under the authority of the Word of God. Like He could have said, "Yes, He is real," and I thought, you know, well, let's I, go smoke a joint. Yeah, <laughs> I know. mean, that's how it was. But we didn't fully surrender and come under the authority of the word of God. And, you know, I use that word authority. It was mm -hmm. a bad word back then. Oh, sounds like man. a bad word, but it can be, sound like a bad word to us today. Authority. Yes. And discipline. And discipline. So Correction. we basically yeah. lived our lives, you know, with going to church. This is so interesting. We went to church, but we still interpreted life in many ways the, in our own purpose, like we were talking about your purpose, Come on. through the eyes of what was happening in the culture. It was like I was letting them still tell me what life was about. And it was a huge mistake. I could tell you that. It was a huge mistake because it took us a lot of years. And even until the point where we found, like, we're getting desperate. Right. There was just, it's interesting how God can allow you to reach a point in your life where you go, what? am I doing here on this earth? Like, what is going on? And it took us years to discover the true story behind, we're saying just the title of the message, the story that you see in everyday life. Right. And the story that the culture and the media will just spill out into your mind. And, into your, and if you're not careful, you just take it in your heart and say, well, this must just be the meaning of life. But stop but, and ask yourself this question. Is culture actually wanting to squeeze you into its mold? Does culture want you to conform to its own image? Is culture telling you who you are? Yeah. Yes, it is. And it's intentional. Because it's intentional so you never, ever know the story behind the story. Yeah. And this is a piece of truth that really, really, honestly changed our lives. And it's uh, going to come up on the screen here. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans, this is hugely important. And it says this. If you got your phone there or you got your Bibles there, underline that. It's, this is a powerful, powerful scripture. And this is God telling us. It's God's word speaking to your heart and my heart. And God himself is saying, don't let the world around you squeeze it, you into its own mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'll wait a little bit because I hear pages turning. And I love to hear pages turning. I just love it. It just ex excites me. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God remold your mind. Yeah. 
And it starts from within, from your heart, from your spirit. It starts with you starting to think along the lines of the Word of God. You'll find very quickly (laughs) that your old way of thinking stinks. (laughs) (laughs) But where do you discover God's way of thinking? Right here in His Word. This is life. This is life. And this is one thing that completely changed our lives. I mean completely changed our lives. And I worship God for it. It's the Word of God. It's by living by the Word of God. It means that you reject what you used to do and start to walk the line that Jesus calls you to. It's called a narrow path. It is very narrow. Thank you. It is very narrow. Listen, (laughs) God took two carnal Christians, and I'm telling you carnal, (laughs) who were really living the lifestyle of the 60s, the hippie lifestyle, looking at new age practices, all mixed up about life, like Pastor Mamie was saying, (laughs) oh my gosh. God called us, and we found this new way, and it was a true new way of living. Absolutely. He turned us around and gave us a purpose, his purpose, and it gave brings, just like what our thing is, find God, find his purpose, and you'll experience life, and that's what happened to us. And he took two nobodies, two nobodies, so we could tell a story about somebody. Yeah. 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 Jesus Christ, yes. <laughs> the yeah. living one. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's right. Oh, yeah. my God. So no matter what has been happening in your life and how mixed up you are, you may feel, or how messed up your past is, I look at our lives, I, oh there's testimonies in this church that God delights in taking what the devil, what the enemy means. Come on, come on. To just twist up, destroy, and put you on a path that you never find the truth. But he, t- he delights in taking what the devil means for evil and turn it around. And if you come, we'll let him, you know, you, and you come under the authority of the word of God. Yes. Because this is the whole way this happens. And you let God lead you. You know, he can and he will. He'll turn your life around yes. and use it for his purpose and for his glory. For his glory. You know, and it will take time. Can I hear an amen? amen? (laughs) It will take some years. It'll take some perseverance. It'll take pressing through when you want to quit and think, is this worth it? But you got to just leave the past behind. Put your hand to the plow, as Scripture says, and not look back. Because his Scripture, the Scripture promises in Isaiah 61, we, we put this up on the screen. Isaiah 61 gives us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. Come on. And what? The garment of praise instead of this spirit of heaviness. That's available Come on. to every single one of us. Yes. When you make a decision but to, to surrender your way of thinking, there and that's go. what it's going to take. Yeah. You've got to make a decision that I'm going to forsake my thoughts 
and I'm going to take God's higher thoughts. Come on. All right? Yes. And when we make that decision, we're willing to come under the authority of God and not see that authority as something that's going to cramp my style, come on. but it's actually going to open up my life to freedom. Preach, woman. Then you're going to find truth. You're going to find the path. You're going to find the plumb line. Yes. You know? Hallelujah. And the thing about it is it's radical. Yes. Woo! It's radical, and it's, <laughs> it is counter-cultural. That's what we were looking for in the We were 60s. looking for that all along. We were just, thank God he stopped us in our path and said, I know what you're looking for, but you're going to find it going this direction. You want to be really you radical, know. be a Christian so, and I mean, do the word. And so surrendering our lives, surrendering your life to God, is, it remains today. It's a radical, make no bones about it, it's a radical decision. Truth. Because it, it will slowly transform the entire outcome of your life. How many of you can testify to that if you've been walking with God for any length of time? Look at all the hands going up. Yeah. You know, it will slowly change your life if you will persevere in it and come under, I say it again, it's authority. Yeah. Because so many times people will give, say, I gave my life to Christ, but then we pick and choose. I like coming under this authority of your word over here, Lord, but don't be talking to me about this stuff in my life. Right? How many, of we, how many of us have done that? Oh, come on. Whether Step it has on to some do toes our, in here. With our come sexuality, on. with our attitude, yep. with pride, with unforgiveness, with our money, any of it. Yep. It's like, I want to pick over here. I'll come. I like that. Lord, bless me. But, <laughs> but over here, don't be talking to me about that. But it's, the thing about it is Jesus said, except you give up your life. He didn't say a come portion on. of it, like one arm or one foot. He said, your whole life, give it all up. That's it's a whole package. Then you will find yes. true life. Yeah, that's right. Come on. That's a radical request, isn't it? Yes. People still now, I mean, even now, and this we're 60 years past the 60s and going, it even looks more radical out here. Yep. To, to follow a God and come under the authority of his word to our culture is looking more and more radical. Like, you're a dinosaur. What? You still believe? You know? <laughs> But this is how your spiritual eyes will get open when you make a decision to go, I'm going all the way. I want the whole package, Lord. Yes. I'm going to give you my life. And I can tell you what it did in our lives. I mean, following God gave us, of course, Jesus. eternal life. It gave our lives eternal meaning. It set us on the purpose for our life. We were following a different path. This was our purpose for our life. And it, it gave us spiritual discernment, which we need spiritual discernment in this day do Come we not on. i mean we need to know the bigger story about life everything you see in front of you we turn on the media that's not really the true story that is not the true story and then as a parent i think the best that was the best of all because it gave new spiritual eternity a, a eternal life to my children and now yes. my grandchildren oh god is, it was like that was gift. the best Hallelujah. what that was the best treasure of all oh praise god but fast forward to 2020 how's culture and society today yeah i mean you know compared to the 60s i'm telling you what all of a sudden there came higher learning okay higher learning was that the answer we protested we protested but that protest in the 60s had laws changed. Yeah. And so, you know, but now here's the question. 60 years later, are we living in more peace? Are we living or in or fear? Yeah. 
Peace or fear? Love or hate? Where are we 60 years later? Huh? Yeah, it's not there. The truth is, are we living in more truth? Or are we living in deception and, and confusion now? Yeah, and confusion. <laughs> yeah, not clarity isn't happening. It's, yeah. Hey, can it's, we it's rely not. on culture? Can we rely on the culture, what it tells us? Can we rely on the political system? Social <laughs> Hey, social institutions, can we, can we rely on them? Or technology, can that bring deep heart transformation? Huh? Can it? Oh, you know it can't. Can TV news... <laughs> can TV news release me from my fear? <laughs> you know what they do? They feed you fear. Yeah. They want you to take a Valium after you watch it. You know? <laughs> There's that hey, can any law free you from greed or lust? Can a law do that? No. Mm -mm. Can legislation cause you to take away unforgiveness? No. No, it can't. Can technology remove hatred out of a man's heart? No. No. Or lust? No, no. No, because it doesn't deal with the real issue. Right. The real deeper issue. It's the human heart. And the power of sin. Yeah. And I'm telling you, sin has a power. Yeah. But I'm going to set you all straight right here. Because Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says this. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Hey, listen. In just a few months, we've seen... The coronavirus shut down the world. The whole world became panicked, didn't it? And run in fear. We've, we've seen radical injustices right now. We see prejudice, the horrific murders of black men. This is ridiculous. We've seen rooter, uh, rioters and looters disrupt and take over peaceful protests. Yeah. Destroying the city. We've seen radicals in, San Fran in Seattle take over the city, a portion of the city. Yeah. And then the crazy mayor says, that's patriotic. Summer of love. <laughs> no, you, you missed it. We At were there. The hippies were, <laughs> the hippies were really walking around, you know. <laughs> yeah, as hippies, we didn't carry guns. We just carried a bag of weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. Legalized late-term abortions. Have we progressed? Has mankind progressed? Have we evolved, as they claim? Is yeah. evolution working? Yeah. Right. No. Does this work? No. You know why? Because you cannot legislate sin out of a spiritually darkened heart. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. A spiritually dead human heart. Yeah. There is no there is no political, long-term political answer. You can do things. We should do have social reform. Amen. Yeah. But there's no guarantee 
that it's going to stay that way forever because it's a spiritual problem in a person's heart. And we need to know this because it helps us get our, our perspective yes. right. Yes. And then our response right. Come on. I mean, despite all that the media pumps out every day, you know, so much, you want to just go, what's going on? Why all the hatred? You know, why all the murder stuff? Why all the lies? Yeah. Is God dead? Like, is God real? Where is God in all of this? Well, we chose this video for us to watch, okay, to help us understand and realize and remember the root of the problem of all men and women in the world. I don't care what your skin color is. We all come into the world with a root problem. Yes. And God has brought a solution for us all. It's where to ultimately look for hope, where to look for change, and where to find true and lasting Hallelujah. life and eternal answers. And so let's just watch hey, this I, I have video. Parents, tell your kids to take the headphones off. They're going to enjoy this. This is going to be something yeah. that will help them yeah. understand Christianity. And if you're watching online, just click the link below so you can watch the video along with us right now. We have Adam and Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden. And everything in this garden is great. It's exactly as it should be, except there's this one tree that they're told by God not to eat from because it's dangerous and it will kill them. So that's it. Uh, avoid this fruit tree and we're fine. Right. It seems pretty simple. But in this garden, there's a snake, and it starts telling a different story. It says that if you eat of this tree, it's not going to kill you. In fact, it's going to make you become like God. And Adam and Eve, they believe the snake, and they eat the fruit. And because of this, the goodness of the garden is tragically lost, and evil and death enters into God's good world. Now, why is there a talking snake in the garden? I mean, this thing is a problem. Yeah, it's very strange. And even more strange is the fact that the Bible doesn't say why or how this thing even got there. It just presents the snake as this creature who's in rebellion against God and that wants to get other people to doubt God's goodness and lead them on a path towards death. And so whatever this snake is, it's the source of evil that pervades our world and our lives even still today. But there is some hope because right here in the story, God makes this really interesting promise to Adam and Eve. That someone is going to come in the future, a son of Eve. And this guy's going to come and he's going to crush the serpent's head and destroy evil at its source. However, during this battle, the serpent is going to bite this guy's heel. So it's like a mutual destruction. Yeah, it's this very strange but beautiful promise. And it's just left hanging there until the next key moment in the story when God singles out this guy named Abraham and says that through his family, goodness and blessing is going to be restored back to all of the nations of the world. And as we follow this family, we get to one of Abraham's great grandsons, this guy named Judah. And he receives this promise that a king is going to come from his line and that the whole world's going to follow this king and he's going to bring peace and harmony and there'll be lots of food and wine and milk and vineyards and it's going to be awesome. The first king that we meet from the line of Judah is a guy named King David. And he's a hero. Maybe he is the snake crusher. But it turns out that David is infected with the same evil as the rest of humanity. He never crushes the snake, just the opposite. However, 
God makes a promise to David that this king is going to eventually come from his line. But as you go on in the story, one by one, each generation of his sons, they're just total chumps. They give in to the snake, they choose evil, they go after money and sex and power and following other gods. Things get so bad that they run the nation of Israel right into the ground and the big bad empire of Babylon just takes them out. And so now there are no more kings to even fulfill this promise. So it seems like the whole plan is lost. But during these dark days, there's this crazy group of guys called prophets. And they just kept talking about this coming king and reminding us of the promise that he'll come, he'll defeat evil, he'll restore the garden. Now, one specific prophet, Isaiah, he tells us more about why this king is bitten. Isaiah says that the promised king receives this wound because of humanity's evil and that it kills him. But then all of a sudden he comes back and Isaiah says it's because he suffered this wound that he can now become a source of healing to other people. But the Old Testament ends and the snake crushing king that everyone's been talking about never shows up. And this is why when the New Testament begins, it introduces us to Jesus of Nazareth not as some random guy, but as someone who comes to fulfill these specific ancient promises. Yeah, we learn that he's from the line of David, Judah, and Abraham. And he goes around Israel announcing that the goodness of God's kingdom is here now. And he begins confronting the effects of evil on people by healing them, by forgiving them of their sins and evil. Many people are now believing that this is, in fact, the promised king. But Jesus began telling his closest followers that he was going to become king and bring peace by taking the full effect of humanity's evil into himself. The fatal snake bite wound. Exactly. And so it seems like the serpent wins. And this story actually would be a tragedy except for what happens next. Jesus rises from the dead. And now Jesus has the power over evil and death for himself. And so the rest of the New Testament is then making this claim that Jesus's power over evil and death has now become available to us to begin confronting the effects of evil in our lives. But even still, death and evil are a real problem in our world all around us. And so the story of the Bible ends by describing this future day when Jesus comes back and he finishes the job. He destroys the snake once and for all and he restores the goodness of the garden here on earth. Hallelujah. Yes, the reason we showed you that video is, is to help us understand the bigger story. The bigger story. The story behind the story. How to interpret today. I want you to interpret today the violence, the hatred, the fear, the lawlessness that is happening. We see it not just in the United States, it's going around the world. The problem is the human heart has been infected with sin. Yeah. And sin has a real power. Sin breeds rebellion against God. It, it, it blinds people to God's goodness and his original plan for mankind. Yeah. And this is going to come up here. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at what it says here. And it's talk, It's the God of this world. I think we have it on the screen. We don't? Well, this is... You'll have to just look yeah. it up in your Bible well, and just listen along. <laughs> okay. I love Scripture, so I probably just keep adding. 
Second <laughs> Corinthians chapter 4, 4, it's talking about the devil. The God of this world, he's the God of this world. Adam and Eve gave him that power. And the Bible calls the God of this world that serpent of old who is called the devil and Satan. And he's blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, without this kind of understanding, we pursue the answers in a natural way. And yes, of course, we should create laws. Yes, of course, everybody should be equal. Amen? Amen. We should speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Um, Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for righteousness. You know, again, we need to investigate the things we hear in the media. Come on. You know... Remember Romans 12? Don't, be conf- don't let the world conform you. Yeah. Squeeze you into its mold. Yeah. Come on. Listen. You see a lot of people holding signs with Black Lives Matter. We agree with that. Amen. We agree that Asians' lives matter. Hispanics' lives matter. Italians' lives matter. Those who are sold into sex trade, their lives matter. All human life matters. God created all of us. Every single one of us. And one day around his throne, I want you to get this. One day around his throne, to the Father's delight, every tribe, tongue, and nation will be there worshiping him in unity and in love. We worship you, Lord. Do you know that the Bible declares... In the book of Galatians that Jesus Christ himself has broken down the dividing wall. In Christ there's one man. One new man. One created new man by the spirit of the living God. Amen. We are one body. We're one body. And we got a lot of work to do. To make this a reality yes. in this time. Yes, we do. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Yeah. And all of us have to work at it. Yeah. Right. God is so good. If you yield to and submit under his authority, the Bible declares the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah. Let it loose. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. This is is who we are, guys. Come on. And along, I think, along with the peaceful protests, which are necessary to bring attention to the issue. Yes. We need a lot of prayer, church. Come on. We need a lot of prayer Come on. about asking God to search our own hearts, you know, because you cannot pass laws to just legislate these things. To ha- prejudice in the human heart is not going to be taken out by passing a law. We, we have to only repentance before God, asking God to just judge our own hearts. Yes. Lord, you know, like look in my heart. Is there pride? Is there prejudice in my own heart? Against the color of somebody's skin, 
against an ethnic background that I don't understand, I didn't grow up in. Give me your heart, Lord, Amen. and help me to repent where I, when I need, where I need to repent and receive your forgiveness the way you forgave me of my sin. That's right. So that I could give that same love and forgiveness to other people who are different than me that I may not understand or I don't, you know, I don't have a concept of because I didn't grow up maybe in a certain part of the world. Look at Colossians 3.13. It says, make allowance. There you go. Now, this is spoken to the church. It's this for, is a command. For everybody. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So this is an important thing for us to remember in our understanding of the bigger picture. There's so many scriptures. We can only just touch on a couple of things today. Right. This, Listen, going back to Black Lives Matter, we believe that. Yes, we do. We believe that. Yes, we do. We want to see injustice eliminated. Amen. But we know the story behind the story. We are going to have to swim upstream for it. Do you understand? Yeah. This shocked me at one point. Not everybody's a Christian. Do you hear me? Not everybody agrees with you. <laughs> We're swimming upstream. We are the radicals. We are the counterculture. The world should see us as an example. Can I hear an amen? amen. But going back to the organization, I'm asking you to go to the website because they believe things that are against our Christian faith. Hello? There's a quote there. They want to disrupt the Western nuclear family structure. There's, there's, a, there's a gentleman that you should take a look at. Vadi Bakken. He, he is a, a, a former pastor... He's an author, professor, and he's a dean of theology in the African Christian University in Zambia. Obviously, a black man. He says what that stands for is cultural Marxism. It is, if you know your history about... Marxism never works. Hello. Hello. We want to fight for what is righteous. Yes. What's happening is not righteous. What has caused it is not righteous. Yeah. Do you understand? Yes. We have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And if you read the Word of God, we're going to be in a minority. We're going to be in a minority. But I'm telling you, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Yeah. We're not going to let the media tell us who we are. Right. Right. We're not going to let the media tell us how to think. Right. Yeah. And we, can't, we have to be aware, too, that we don't want to promote ungodly agendas that are behind the scenes right. of some of these things. That we want to stand up for injustice, but we're not about promoting an ungodly agenda that goes against the word of God. I mean, how do, we, how do we deal with all this then? For such a time as this, God put us in the Hallelujah. earth. Hallelujah. So he's given us wisdom. 
Where do we look? Look at Ephesians 6.12. We've got to remember that this is a spiritual battle we're dealing with. Come on. Let's wake up. It's the truth. The story behind the story. Sorry, but I'm... Love you, honey. (laughs) Ephesians (laughs) 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Let's think about that. Lord God, help us. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Where does the struggle? Think of the snake in the video. Satan. Right. The demonic realm is very active in the world today. Take a look at the outer world, and it gives you an idea of what's stirred up in the spirit realm. But against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, they are real. And they are working against us. They're working against you and me and the church. And against, against we're, we're coming against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. How do we fight that? For one thing, we renew our mind to the truth. Yes, yes. And we do begin to pray. We must exercise our authority in prayer. Because really in the spirit realm, the, the color of our skin doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> You know, ultimately, this is about a battle for the human heart. And as far as the devil's concerned, I mean, no lives matter to him, yeah. right? That I mean, is no lives sure. matter, whether you're black or white. I mean, his agenda, Scripture says, is to steal, kill, and to destroy. No matter your color. His goal is to divide us. His goal is to stir up strife and yep. division among yep. us, that we hate one another, that we, we live in this bitterness, this contention. We don't know how to reconcile with one another and just die with unforgiveness in our heart. I mean, that's his ultimate goal. Just take it to the grave with you. Yikes. All the while, all the while, Jesus has made a way you! to set us free, to give us a new perspective and actually give us a new heart and the power of God to live it out, yeah. to walk it out yeah. in love and forgiveness. You know, Really, the truth is the power that Jesus gained is available for you and I so that we can overcome death and evil in your own personal life. Just like what it said in the video, that's available. His power is available so that you and I can begin to confront the evil and the sin in our lives. Amen? Amen. And it begins with a new heart. And only Jesus can give you a new heart. That's a new spirit. He's, the Bible says he'll take that stony, hard heart out and give you a heart of flesh. And it's time. Right now, it is time to dethrone the spiritual wickedness that might be in your heart. You can come to Jesus and ask him for forgiveness. I want you to bow your heads. Everybody bow your head. If you're recognizing things in your own life that you maybe didn't even really know the story behind the story, but it all makes sense now. That's the spirit of God working on your heart, working in your mind. Why? Because he loves you. Yes. He loves you. Yes. And if you want to take that stony heart out of your heart and get a heart of flesh, only Jesus Christ can do that. 
I'm asking you to pray this prayer with me today. I want to hear it. Pray it with me. Father, Father, I come and ask you for forgiving me. I come and ask you for forgiving me. Jesus, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Lord. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you died for my sins. And you were raised from the dead. And you were raised from the dead. And you are coming back to set things right. And you are coming back to set things right. I ask you to teach me how. I ask you to teach me how. To use your power. To use your power. To confront. To confront. The effects of evil and sin. The effects of evil and sin over prejudice and hatred over prejudice and hatred over lust and fear over lust and fear I ask you to fill me I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit with your Holy Spirit in your name I pray in your name I pray if you prayed that prayer I'm gonna let you know right now what God says God says but all who have received him all who have received Jesus Christ those who believe in his name he is given the right, the authority to become children of God. Yes. Oh, Father, I thank you that you sent your son to this earth. I thank you that you dealt a fatal blow to Satan. Yes. yes and can Lord. we can live without fear. Yes, Lord. I'm telling you, folks, our prayers are powerful. They push darkness out of your life. The big thing is, is that you get your heart clean. When your heart is clean, filled with the spirit of the living God then all of a sudden you're praying the right prayers you're getting things done amen we're a prayer for church